How are you guys doing tonight? Good? Awesome. Well, it is great to be here with you. Um, like Pastor Michael said, I came from Dallas, Texas. And um, let me just, let me give you a little bit about myself. Um, I think we have a family photo, so I'll start there. Um, I don't know which one I gave you first, but do we have that picture of my family? You guys, that is our family. I have eight kids. I don't know if I look old enough to have eight kids. My beautiful wife is in the back, um, Sarah Escamilla. We've been married for 20 years, and yep, our kids make our life a little bit crazy. Um, we have two older guys that are now getting ready to get out of the house, and then um, one that's getting his, that just got his driver's license. My daughter is getting her learner's permit. So if you're in Texas, be careful. Okay. The roads are kind of dangerous right now. Um, how many of you guys have ever been to Texas? Okay. A few of you guys. Okay. So I was not used to the cold weather when I came back up here. I got a shock on Saturday night whenever we got into town. So, but I'm getting adjusted, but I am so excited to be here with you. And as I was just thinking about this, you know, whenever I was a student pastor, this was a long time ago, okay, about nine years ago. Um, none of this was here. I think I have a photo of our youth group. Like this is one night, I think we were over in the other building. Um, so this is just one side of the, the room that we had. We were doing some kind of 80s party or anything. That's not from the 80s, okay? It's not that long ago. But we were doing this party and everything. But I remember being in this room right here. And this is what I would do is once a week, I would come down here. Justin, you guys remember this? This was a pool. Does anyone remember when this was a swimming pool? Okay, a few of you guys. Yep, right where we're standing right now, there was a big hole in the ground. That's all it was. And I would come in this room and I would pray and I would dream about a day where it'd be a place like this, right? And so nine years ago, I got a chance to be a part of just kind of dreaming all of this up and, and talking about what it would be like. And so me and my best friend who was a junior high youth pastor, we'd come down here and we'd be like, okay, maybe this stage could be there or it could be there and we could have lights and all of this stuff. And so it's so amazing to be here with you to see all that God has done, you know, all of these years later and what's taking place and just to get to, get to be a part of that is so amazing. So I'm so thankful, so excited to be here. And um, I just want to do this really quick. Sometimes when you're around great people, you don't always know that you're around great people. And I want you to just put your hands together for Pastor Michael and Rachel and just what they do. And I just want to take a moment and honor them and just the heroes that they are, how they give their life, they spend their life, their time, their energy, their efforts, to pour into you guys and to make this student ministry happen. And sometimes I know you don't see everything behind the scenes and all of the time they spend praying and preparing and all of those things. But I am so proud of you guys. I'm excited for what God is doing. And we're going to take a moment and just pray for them. And so I want you to just stretch your hands back there. Rachel's there. Pastor Michael's back there. Just stretch your hands back there. If you don't know how to pray, just say, God bless them. Okay, but I'm going to lead us in a prayer God, I thank you for these two amazing leaders. Lord, I thank you for your call on their life, their heart for students, God, their love for people, Lord, what you're going to do through them, what you've started, God, and what you're going to continue, Lord. And I just speak blessing over their life, Lord. I pray, God, your anointing, your power, God, as they minister to students, Lord, continue to use them to change this city, to change the surrounding areas, Lord, that a generation would be raised up because of their efforts. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Well, tonight I have the privilege of kicking off this series. Like Pastor Michael said, rewind. 
Okay, so turn to the person next to you and say, you're about to rewind. And I want to start by telling you a story, okay? Do I have any ninth graders in the room? You're in ninth grade. Okay, a few of you guys. Some of you guys may not be in ninth grade yet or you're past that. I remember in ninth grade, I lived in um, New Jersey, in West Orange, New Jersey. Ran cross country and ran track. And so cross country was in the fall. Track was in the spring. And I had nothing to do in the winter. So my best friend said, hey, you should come out for the swim team. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go out for the swim team. I'm going to do this. And I remember that first day I got to swim practice. And you guys, everyone knew how to swim. They're doing the backstroke, the butterfly, like all of these Olympic things, right? And I'm doggy paddling, right? I'm just barely making it down. At the end of that year, I got a little trophy and it said most improved swimmer. What it meant is you really stink at swimming, but you didn't drown. So we're going to give you this little trophy. So I was the most improved swimmer on my swim team. But my coach told us, hey, about halfway through the season, if you want to compete in the swim meets, You've got to wear a Speedo. You guys, I'm this little skinny ninth grade kid. I think we got a picture of me in the ninth grade. In case you need a visual, this is not me in my Speedo. This is me and my brother. I'm the guy in the Chicago Bulls shirt there. So I'm this little ninth grade kid, and my coach is like, you got to put on a Speedo, and I'm so embarrassed. I don't want to get up in front of my friends or in front of parents or all these people and be in a Speedo, but I thought, okay, I've got to do this. And so I show up for one of our swim meets. We're going to race that day. I'm in three of the races. I'm so pumped because... Because once again, I I was horrible when we started. And I open up my gym bag and I don't have my Speedo, you guys. And so I'm telling my friend and he says, hey, I have an extra. Yeah, I know it's gross, but I had no options here, you guys, okay? So he's like, I got an extra Speedo. My mom just washed it. It's clean, I promise. And so I put that on. I'm looking at my friend. We're not the same size, right? But I think, okay, I got to do this. So I just cinch up those drawstrings really tight. I get them as tight as I can. I get up there on the starting blocks. If you've ever seen those Olympics, right? I'm like up on the starting box blocks. I'm in my speedo. I'm pretty embarrassed, but I'm ready to go. And I'm like down and I hear that sound. And at that last sound, man, I just take off this perfect dive into the water. And as I get ready to start swimming, I notice my speedo is no longer on. It's not around my waist. It is down around my ankles, but I'm in a swim meet, so I cannot stop you guys, right? So I perfect this stroke. I reach down and start to pull them up. And every time I take another stroke, man, I'm just pulling up my Speedo. I'm going all the way down, half naked in this swim meet, right? Now, that's not even the most embarrassing part. The most embarrassing part is my best friend's mom was there with the video camera, And I watched that tape. You just see this little brown butt coming out of the water every few seconds as I make my way down until I finally got that Speedo back up around my waist, okay? And in that moment, I don't know if you've ever had an embarrassing moment, right? Or or some moment in your life where you wish you could just rewind, right? You wish you could take back that moment. Like you wish you could relive it, but it would be different or you wouldn't face whatever that difficulty is, whatever that obstacle. That's what I want to challenge you with tonight and look at a passage in God's scripture where God hits the rewind button for this man, for this king and what that means for our life, things that we see. And so if you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to look at the book of Isaiah. This is Isaiah chapter 38 and we're going to start at verse 1. 
And in case you don't know where Isaiah is, if you just open your Bible to the middle and start flipping to the right. Okay, so open it kind of right in the middle and start flipping to the right. And in case you're like, I don't know who Isaiah is, let me give you a quick snapshot. Isaiah is this prophet. That means he's like a preacher. He declares the word of God to all of the people of God over the nation of Israel. And so he tells them what it is that God wants to say. And everything that Isaiah says comes true. There's another person in this story named Hezekiah. Hezekiah is the king. Okay. He's on all the cover of the magazines. Everyone knows him. He's the most famous person in the kingdom because he is the king. And so Isaiah is given a word from God to go to the king. And this is where we pick up the story. Isaiah chapter 38, verse 1, it says this. And at this time, Hezekiah, that's the king, he got sick and he was about to die. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amoz, visited him and he said, God said to him, go prepare your affairs, go get your family in order, this is it, you're going to die, and you're not going to get well. Let me pause right there, okay? Hezekiah's sick. I don't know if you've ever been really sick in your life. I'm not talking like a cold, but like where something's really wrong, and that's what's happening in Hezekiah's life. And Isaiah, his friend, they were friends, right? This prophet of God comes and he says something to him, right? And I imagine Hezekiah's laying there on the bed like he's in his house, right? He's kind of kicked back or whatever. And he sees Isaiah come and he's thinking, okay, this is God's word. God's about to tell me something good, right? Through the prophet Isaiah. But Isaiah doesn't say something good. He's like, this is God's word is you better have everything ready, right? You better make sure everything's in order. You got your finances squared away. You better kiss your kids kids goodbye. You better have everything lined up because God says that you're about to die. You're not going to get better from this sickness. And let me just tell you this. You're going to face difficult situations more than losing a Speedo in a swim meet, okay? You're going to face things in your life if you have it. And I imagine in a room of this size, some of you have already gone through some crap in your lifetime. And whether it's brokenness in your family, you're like Hezekiah, you're facing death. It may not be a physical death, but most people may not know what you're walking home to, right? You put on a good face when you're here, when you're at school, but your home is broken and there's issues in your house. And it's like Hezekiah, you're looking death right in the face. Or for others of you, it may be a broken relationship. It may be someone close to you that you've lost. And like Hezekiah, you're going through a difficult situation. You're facing something and it may seem impossible. And you may even feel like, man, there is no way out of this. This is where Hezekiah was at. He was going through something difficult. And being a Christian doesn't mean everything works out perfect. And he's facing this trial. And this is what it says, reading on in the passage, Isaiah chapter 38, verse 2. Now, Hezekiah turned away from Isaiah. And he faced the wall and he prayed to God. And he begins to cry out, God, please, I beg you, remember how I've lived my life. I've lived faithfully in your presence. I've lived out of a heart that was totally yours. You've seen how I've lived, the good that I have done. Hezekiah wept as he prayed and there were painful tears falling from his face. So what's going on here? Hezekiah, once again, he gets this word from God, right? He gets this diagnosis. Hey, you're going to die. Your life is about to be taken from you. And what's the first thing that he does? What's his first response? He begins to cry out to God. 
And I want to challenge you with that tonight. You're going to face difficulty if you have not already. If you're not in the midst of a difficult situation, you're going to find yourself in a difficult situation. And like Hezekiah, your first response better be to go to God. Okay, not to get on Snapchat and post a little video complaining about it to your friends, but that you, like Hezekiah, you begin to cry out to God. And he turns up the volume on his prayer. He turns up this intensity. There are tears coming down his face. He's crying out to God saying, God, you've seen my life. You've seen how I love you, God. You've seen what I do, Lord. I go to church. I worship you, God. You've seen the kind of life that I've lived. And he begins to cry out to God, God, you've got to do something because this situation is impossible. This situation, there is no hope. There's no way out of this. Students, I just want to challenge you with this tonight is what do you do when you face a difficult situation? Do you turn up that intensity in your prayer life? Do you turn up that volume in your prayer life? Do you begin to cry out to God and to call on his name when you're facing something that seems impossible to your, in your life? Or do you just complain about it, right? And in those moments when you face hard things, you need more than just a nursery rhyme prayer, right? Like now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep, right? You need something that you just, more than just what you learned as a kid, you need to be able to talk to God. You need need to be able to cry out to him and to let open your heart what is going on inside of your life. That's what Hezekiah does. He knows that this situation is beyond himself. I remembered when I was thinking about and reading this passage of something that happened whenever I was young. Um, you can't see them because I'm wearing jeans, but if you ever see me in shorts, I have these horrible scars all down the inside of my leg, all down the backside and on my butt. Like I have just all of these scars because whenever I was really little, I got burned by really hot water. I was one years old, one year old. I spent about four months in the hospital, like intense therapy, all of this stuff. The doctor said, hey, Aaron, you'll never walk. They told that to my parents, like, hey, you'll be in a wheelchair all of your life. You'll never get full mobility or any of that because the burns were so bad. They went past the skin into like the deep muscle tissues. And so they said, hey, that's going to cause problems all of your life. And thank God, like I was able to walk. But as I got into elementary school, like um, second, third grade, I had to keep going back to the doctors for checkups. Now, I remember one year I went in for my yearly checkup and the doctors were doing some tests and he sat down with me and he said, Aaron, there's a problem. You're growing. You're getting taller, right? You're not a little kid anymore. You're starting to grow up, but your muscles in your skin aren't growing. All of that tissue is dead in there. So he said, Hey, we're going to have to do something. We're going to take you into surgery and we're going to cut your legs open. And then he said, we're going to, once your legs are open, we're going to put balloons inside of them. Hold on a second. I'm an eight-year-old kid, and I'm like, wait, you're going to stick what in my leg? I'm like freaking out. I'm like, there is no way that is going inside of my body, doctor. But he said, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to cut open your legs. We're going to put balloons inside of your legs and it's going to help stretch that stuff. And I'm like freaking out. And obviously it's not a balloon from Walmart. It's these medical balloons, but still I'm like an eight year old kid. I can't comprehend that. And so I'm freaking out. And then he said, what we're going to do is we're going to let that heal up for a little bit. And then after a month or two, you're going to come back in and we're going to blow up that balloon more. I said, you're going to blow up the balloon larger inside of my leg. 
And he said, yeah, that's what we're going to have to do. And our hope is those balloons will stay in your leg and they'll stretch out those muscles, they'll stretch out that tissue, and hopefully it'll help you to keep being able to walk and do everything that you need to do. And you guys, I'm an eight-year-old kid and I am freaking out. I do not want this inside of my leg. And I remember getting in the car with my mom and I've got tears coming down my face and I'm freaking out. And I'm like, mom, I do not want them to cut open my legs. I don't know what that means, but I don't want balloons in my legs. Like I don't want any of that to happen. And the next Sunday I got to church. Now I remember walking in our kids room. It was a room kind of like this. And I went up to our kids pastor, the lady that was over the kids ministry. And I just told her what was going on. And in the middle of that service, there was about 40 or 50 kids that came and just laid their hand on me and they began to pray. And you guys, we were only, you know, like six, eight years old, nine years old, 10 years old, but I still can hear those voices of kids crying out of praying to God saying, God, do something in Aaron's legs, heal Aaron, do something in his legs. And and my intense prayers, right? These weren't weak prayers because it was affecting me. I was the one that was going to have to go into surgery. And so I'm crying out to God, God, you've got to do something, Lord. You've got to do something. And three weeks later, I go back into the doctor's office. They're doing a few more tests. And the doctor said, hey, we can't explain it, but something happened. All of a sudden, those muscles are now growing in a way that they were not. The skin is growing in a way that it was not. I'm here to tell you, students, whenever you're facing a difficult situation, you need to pray. You need to pray, you guys. God will hear your prayers. That's what Hezekiah does. He cries out to God and says, God, I'm begging you, God. I'm pleading with you for you to show up and for you to do something in my life, God, because what I'm facing is impossible. The next thing that we see in this story is this right here in Isaiah chapter 38, verse four, it says this, God then told Isaiah, he had already left and he said, Hey, you need to go back to Hezekiah. You need to go back to the King and now give him this message from the Lord, the God of his ancestor, David. And this is what God says to Hezekiah. I've heard your prayer and I've seen your tears and here's what I'll do. I'll add 15 years to your life. And I'll save both you and this city from the king of Assyria because I have my hand on this city. And I was thinking about this story. I was thinking about what we're reading about in the Bible, your life, my life, and what God so often does. Whenever we go to him, whenever you're facing difficulty, whenever you're facing a hard situation and you begin to cry out to God, God does something. He hears that prayer and he brings healing to your life but not only to your life, but to others. Students, I want you to hear that. What God wants to do in your life is not just for you, okay? What God wants to build up inside of you, you may be sitting here saying, but Aaron, I'm only a sixth grader. It doesn't matter how old you are. What God wants to do inside of you isn't going to just affect you. It's for other people. Because the story opens up here. Did you catch that? We thought this was just a story about Hezekiah. He's sick. He's dying. He cries out to God. But what's God's response? Hey, Hezekiah, I'm not only going to heal you, but I'm going to touch this city. And I'm going to bring freedom to this city. Hezekiah thinks he's just crying out to God for something going on in his life. And God says, wait, this is bigger 
than just you, Hezekiah. This is bigger than just what you're facing. But not only am I going to touch your life, I'm going to bring freedom to this entire city. I'm going to deliver them from the king of Assyria. There was this king that was surrounding the city, right? He had taken advantage of the king being sick. And so he was getting ready to attack and to overpower the city. And God looks at Hezekiah and says, hey, I'm going to bring healing to you, but I'm also going to bring healing to other people. And I was thinking this morning as I was just going over this, I got up this morning, I opened up my news feed. One of the first things was that a very well-known evangelist had died. I don't know if you guys saw that on Snapchat or Instagram, but there was a whole lot of feeds. There's this old guy named Billy Graham, 99 years old, and today he passed away. And if you know anything about Billy Graham, he started off as a young person, just like you sitting in a seat like this. And one day someone was preaching and Billy Graham came forward and he gave his heart to Jesus and he prayed this simple prayer. God, you can have everything in my life, Lord. God, if you'll save me, if you'll set me free, God, if you'll allow me to go to heaven, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And then for the next few decades, Billy Graham if you guys know anything about him, has preached to football stadiums, hundreds of thousands of people at one time, soccer stadiums all around the world packed out as he shared the gospel. He stood in front of presidents, in front of kings. He's talked to government officials, all because at one point as a young man, he said, God, I want you to save me. And God said, hey, I'm going to do more than that. I'm going to take your life and I'm going to use it to impact others. And that's what God was doing through Hezekiah. And students, I want to challenge you. You come into this room every Wednesday night. You're in this place. It's not just for you. What God is doing in your life isn't just about what you're going through, but it's about others around you. It's about that friend that you have that you sit in that classroom with. It's about the person that no one talks to in the cafeteria. It's about your family members and other people who do not know God. And God's saying, hey, I want to do something not only in your life. I want to bring healing and deliverance and freedom not only inside of you, but I want it to spill over to other people. I want to do something that's going to impact others around you. Students, when you begin to pray, when you're facing a difficult situation, God answers and he brings healing. But that healing is not only for your life, but it's for everyone around you. It's for the people that God has placed inside of your influence, friends that you have, people that you know. And are you sharing that love with others that God has around you? The last thing here is this. Isaiah gives this last word and he he looks at Hezekiah and he says this. This is it, God's going to give you a sign. And this is how God is going to confirm everything that he's just promised, exactly what he said. He said, watch for this as the sun goes down this evening. The sun's going to be setting. And he's like, I want you to watch that. And as the shadow lengthens on the sundial of Ahaziah, he said, I'm going to reverse the shadow. God said, I'm about to rewind the earth a few steps. It's going to go back 10 notches is what's going to happen. And you're going to see that. And you're going to know that I'm going to bring deliverance and healing. And so Hezekiah watched it. And he noticed that the sundial moved back 10 steps because of the word of the Lord. Now, in case you're in this room and you're like, I have no idea what a sundial is. They didn't have Apple watches, okay? There wasn't bling on their wrist. That's not how they told time, right? But there was this big machine and the sun casting a shadow would tell them, okay, it's 5.30 now or it's 8 o'clock. I got to go to school or whatever that was. It was all by the sun shadow, right? That's how they would tell what was taking place. And God looks at Hezekiah and he says, hey, 
Hezekiah, I'm about to do something. I'm about to bring healing. I'm about to bring deliverance to this city. And here's how you're going to know it's going to happen. I'm going to rewind the sun a little bit. I'm going to turn back the sun and you're going to see it. And it's going to be a sign in your life of the deliverance and of the healing that I'm going to bring to you. And students, I just want to close with this last thought for you. It's this, like, it's this right here. That some of you, you face difficult situations, you face circumstances, you've gone through things, and God wants to rewind those situations in our life, and he wants to give back something that has been taken from you. That's what God does. He literally give, has, gives Hezekiah more time, right? Hezekiah thinks, I'm at the end of my life. Time is short. I don't have a lot of time left. And God says, I'm going to rewind it, and I'm going to give you back what was taken from you. And students, I want you to take a moment. I want you to look at your own life and I want you to think what you've been through, right? It may have been bad decisions that you've made. It may be situations that you've walked through, things that you're going through that you're saying, God, I need some of that back. It may be things that have been done to you, right? Other people that have hurt your life, right? That have betrayed you, maybe that have abused you. And God wants to step into your life and say, hey, I want to hit the rewind button something that was taken from you, something that you were facing. I want to rewind that and I want to give you back something that was taken from your life. I want to bless you in that way. And students, I want to pray for us this evening. I'm going to ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes and take a moment and just reflect on what God is saying. As I started this message, I said that, hey, you're either going through difficult times or you're going to face it at some point in your life. And when you hit that situation, you need a relationship with God. There are going to be times in your life you cannot face on your own. I've found that out over these 40 years that there have been moment after moment where I cannot do it on my own. All as I can do like Hezekiah is cry out to God. And God, students, has come through in my life time and time and time again with his faithfulness. That song that we sung earlier, it's the faithfulness of God. And if you're here in this room and you're going through something, I want to remind you, God wants to hit that rewind button in your life. God wants to give you back something that may have been taken from you, something that has been stolen from your life, something that sin would try to bring in death and destruction. God wants to give that back to you. Students, I just want to pray for you this evening. And I just want to ask without anyone looking around, if you're maybe here this evening and you would be honest and say Aaron you're talking about calling out to God a relationship with God but I know my relationship with God is not where it needs to be and maybe you have this picture in your mind of a God who is there waiting to judge you of a God who is in heaven waiting for you to screw up so he can write you off and I'm here tonight to tell you that God is not like that he's listening to your prayers he knows what you're going through he wants a relationship with you and if that's you if you would just be honest and say hey I don't have that relationship but I want that I want a brand new start I want God to be the center of my life if that's you would you just quickly lift your hand and then you can put it back down thank you thank you after you lift it up you can put it back down thank you students I want us to pray this all together whether you're saying it for the first time or whether you've said this before I want you to repeat this out loud everyone in the room with me Jesus I come to you and I know I've messed up 
I know there's sin in my life and I need you to save me so I'm asking for a fresh start come into my life be the Lord of my life be the Savior of my life and give me a brand new start I pray this in your name Amen Students, can we just put our hands together and celebrate for those that prayed that for the first time? Man, the Bible says that, that all of heaven rejoices. All of heaven celebrates whenever that happens. And I just want to lead you in one more prayer before I hand this back over to Pastor Michael. Man, that challenging message that Hezekiah's life was not only saved, but an entire city was saved. And I believe tonight in this room that there are some people that God is calling out to change not only their life but the world around them there are those of you in this room that God not only wants to do something in your life but he wants to impact your school your classroom your family those around you God wants to do something inside of you and so I'm just going to lead out in prayer but I'm going to ask don't just sit there and listen to me in your own words just you having a conversation with God ask God to do that in your life let's pray together students God we come before you tonight Lord And I know in this room, God, there are students that you have saved, God, that you have called. You have placed your anointing, God, and your calling over, Lord. And I'm praying tonight like Hezekiah, God, not just for salvation for them, but for their city, God, for their classrooms, Lord, for their school, God. You are going to raise them up, God. You are going to call them, Lord. Your power, God, your anointing, Lord, not just for their healing, Lord, but for the healing of those around them, Lord. So I speak that over this room, Lord. I speak that over these lives, God. Your salvation, God, and your healing to everyone around us, God. Help us to be that generation, Lord, that impacts those around us. We pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much, Pastor Michael.